on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. This is episode 175. Super wild card weekend. Was pretty super, if we're being honest. A lot of things we didn't expect to happen, but it was still awesome to see. We're going to break down all those picks. Picks for next week, season grades, and uh, that's not all that happened this week. There's a lot to talk about, too, Cal. Yeah. I guess we'll get right into it, though, with the opener. And my opener has got to be the Lions winning. And I know we'll get more into the game specifics uh, as the episode goes on, but just the atmosphere that we saw in Detroit on Sunday night was something that's really, really cool. And I related the Lions back to the Raiders in the way that you know, they were shit for a long time and haven't seen anything good for them in a long time. And it felt like watching that game was similar to how the atmosphere would have been if the Raiders ever got to play another playoff game in Oakland before they left. So seeing that made me a bit emotional and to see the Lions win was really, really good to see. So I'm happy for the Lions uh, and hopefully they'll win this week as well and move on to the NFC Conference Championship. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't mean to make you even sadder than you already are, but when we were watching the other night with uh, Sean, the Lions fan, obviously, and Alex, uh, another Bay Area fan, we compared it to the Ace. We were even showing Sean some videos of like when Balfour would come out and we were doing the Balfour Rage, and it's just not going to happen anymore. And it doesn't happen for these small markets very often, so congrats to the Lions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with some college football news here. Alabama legend Nick Saban steps down. That means someone's got to take a spot. It ends up being Kalen DeBoer, the Washington head coach, who had an awesome season, 12-1 and or 13-1 and if you count the playoff game. Uh, I mean, what what a, a coaching carousel, man. I mean, to start at D2, work your way all the way up to Alabama, congrats to him. Uh, although it leaves Washington in a pretty questionable state right now. But we'll get into that as we get into next season's college football. Yeah, he got in and had a good season at the right point in order to you know, take the Alabama job with, with Nick Saban retiring, which crazy. Obviously, probably one of the most insane weeks that we've ever seen as far as a coaching carousel goes. So we'll talk more about that, uh, not in the second half, but more towards the end of the episode. Yeah. Moving on. We're getting to where's your head at, and this isn't an episode where we do our MVP, AFC, or AFC, NFC, and MVP top fives. We're getting right into the games and from this past weekend and some season grades for the eliminated teams. First game we're going to talk about is the first game that happened. The Houston Texans taking down the Cleveland Browns 45-14. to A blowout that we did not see coming. Uh, I think both me and Skyler picked the Browns in this game. I think nearly everybody in our spreadsheet did. But CJ Stroud was not faced by a Browns defense that has been good the entire season. Joe Flacco made mistakes. He made some good plays, but the mistakes outweighed the ones that were good with back-to-back pick sixes. And Houston kind of just ran away with this one in the second half. Uh, what what is there to say about C.J. Stroud's debut except for perfect? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just the way that him and Jordan Love both did this this week where they would stay in the pocket even though their first read wasn't open right away and just waited long enough for that second read, the deep crosser, to finally clear, take one off the chin with a perfect throw, and that's how they got it done. I guess uh, yeah. I, I don't mean to you know hate on the older quarterbacks, but not everyone can do that. And the young guys are, well, they got balls of steel, man. And they got it done. Yeah. Tip of the cap to CJ Stroud. He did get a bit of help uh, for his yardage and touchdowns. So as Nico Collins touchdown was on the screen. And then Brevin Jordan, I think, probably had like 75 of those 75 or 73 of those 75 yards in yak. But uh, nonetheless, CJ Stroud, an amazing playoff debut. Looking forward to what he's going to do against the Ravens this week. We'll get into those games later, but first off, we've got to look back at the Browns in the season that they had 11-6. and A whole bunch of different starting quarterbacks. I think it's five at the end of the season was the total number. What do you make of their season? What do you, what, what's the grade that you give them? I gave them an A because they lost Nick Chubb really early. Most teams would have quit right there. 
Um, third string quarterback, of course, you don't plan for with an injured offensive line, and, and they made no excuses. This team has a pretty nice system in place now for when they do get healthy. I know it sucks to lose in the wild card round, but I I have to give them an A. Um, just so many teams historically, when they lost that workhorse back, have just quit completely. And they didn't. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a B plus. It's it was a great season in the way that they overcame a lot of adversity with Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, and even like Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. Those guys even battled injury quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball, whether they were missing games or not. But they found a lot of good in the way that, you know, Njoku really became a star this season. Amari Cooper continued to find his role within this offense. Obviously, it's just kind of weird in the way that they are going to have to do this with Deshaun Watson, and they haven't really had that chemistry with them quite yet. So finding that out kind of just back to stage one in that weird way where it's Mm -hmm. just like, Okay, we're you're obviously not going to start Flacco next year. You're going to be going back to Deshaun Watson. That's something that you kind of have to do contract contractually. You need to do with how much money you're committing to him. And those dudes just haven't found that quite ke- quite chemistry that you know Flacco and those guys did. But regardless, defense should be just as good next year. I don't really think they're missing anybody. And the offense, if Nick Chubb gets back to be Nick Chubb. Should be just fine as well. I think the Browns will be just as good next season. Next game that we saw on Saturday, Saturday night in Kansas City, man. This this game was ugly. We knew it was going to be ugly. A 7-26 to final score victory for the Chiefs. Tua looked terrible. Honestly, I, uh, yeah, he did look terrible. I, I was going to maybe soften that up for him, but no, he did look pretty shit. Uh, Mostert didn't get it going on the ground because they were just down the whole time. Uh, and besides one big play to Tyree Kill, there wasn't anything going on for the Dolphins on offense the entire game. Mahomes, he didn't look the greatest, but how can you expect somebody to look when they're playing in negative, you know, 15 degree weather and their helmets chipping off into random things, which also seemed a little fishy. I know you saw that play yeah. where Mahomes' helmet chipped off. I guess there's a rule where you have to come out a play for like an equipment change or something like that. The NFL just let Mahomes switch his helmet and go back on. I know it was like a third and goal, so it was a huge play, but you can't bend the rules for those guys regardless of who they are. But I don't think that would have changed the outcome of the game regardless. Mm -hmm. Uh, One guy that did, or two guys that had big games though for the Chiefs on offense was Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. And then Rishi Rice, eight catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. I wouldn't say a breakout game because he's had some big games, but to do this in the playoffs, in this situation, the season on the line, Rishi Rice is breaking out for sure. Uh, as far as the Dolphins, though, what's their season grade for them, man? I gave them an A minus because they did a lot of really good things in the regular season. They brought in some pieces on the defense to help their slow start. The offense wasn't stoppable at times, but they just couldn't win the big game. And unfortunately, there's a lot more problems coming to this team uh, for next year. I know I like to, and and you too, especially with the baseball, we talk about what is there to look forward to after the season grades. Um, a lot of issues, but at least Tua and Tyreek are still there. <laughs> Uh, I gave the Dolphins a C plus because it just felt like a repeat of last year where at some points, you know, they looked really good and, you know, maybe this team is legit. And at other points, they just showed their true face in the way that they're not going to beat the big, big team in a big game. And that's just how it's going to be with two at quarterback. And obviously they didn't get any favors with playing in the weather that they had to play in in Kansas City. But then again, it's their fault for having to play like that because they lost the Bills last week. They could have just been playing in sunny Miami instead of in Kansas City. But regardless, I give it a C plus because while it stands still in the way that you get eliminated in the wild card round in back-to-back years, you still had some good things that happened. Tariq, you continually found a way to exploit his matchup. Uh, you found... A deadly running back duo and Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan. And the defense stepped up more than what it did last year, especially that helped bring in Jalen Ramsey and, you know, utilizing some other guys in the offense or in the defense as well, too. But 
I think they're in a similar. I saw this on Twitter or TikTok, whatever it was, mm. but I actually do agree with a lot where they're in kind of a standstill where they're not going to get much farther with Tua, and it feels like the same situation with the Rams and Jared Goff. Obviously, there isn't that, you know, perfect picture guy that, oh, Stafford was going to be traded at this point. And it just worked out perfectly in the way that the Rams could get rid of Goff and move in Stafford. And that's just how it is. And there isn't that clear guy right now. But there might be one. And I don't know Mm. how the whole contracts and stuff like this work out, but I'll get to it uh, in, in the next game. Okay. Regardless, moving on to the next game, that is uh, Sunday day, the Packers take down the Cowboys 48-32 to and upset the first seven seed to ever win a playoff game. Jordan Love had damn near identical stats to what C.J. Stroud did, 16 for 21, 272, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones had his best game of the season, 21 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. Romeo Dobbs, six catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. But the Cowboys go out the same way that they do damn near every single season. What's your season grade for them? I gave them a B. They won a lot of big games this year. Dak was much better with the freedom he had, and I I guess that's a progression from the last two seasons, but they still lost at home to the seventh seed. I mean, they were not ready to play this game. That's that's Mm. like what I see from the Jets when we have a big game that could possibly give us a seventh seed when we're halfway through. They just were not prepared. They thought they were already, you know, playing Detroit in the next round. And we know Dallas and Jerry are very reactionary, so I'm expecting some big changes for next year. Yeah. I give the Cowboys a C minus. It's just like the Dolphins in the way that this is kind of where you were last year. Except for the Cowboys, this is where you were the year before that. Yeah. And the year before that. And the year before that. And you just can't make any improvements. And at that point, you're just you're sitting right below average. Then again, you can't ignore the twelve and five season and how good their defense was at some points and how, how dominant Dak Prescott was at some points. But I think you just kind of reach a standstill, and whether it's Dak's fault or not, he's not going to be the guy that wins you Super Bowl. So with that being said, my crazy, bold prediction is that Dak Prescott gets traded to the, to the Miami Dolphins. That'd be cool. And that would set the world on fire because him and Waddle and Tyreek Hill might be the exact duo, or exact trio that would lead the Dolphins to you know a Super Bowl-caliber team. Whether that happens or not, I don't know the contracts for it. But I wouldn't be 100% shocked if that happened with the Cowboys making a reactionary move. And whether that's bringing in Tua or whatever happens there, obviously, probably wouldn't make your team better. But hey, I mean, the Lions brought in Goff and it made their team better over time. So you never know with that. Definitely something that's possible. Yeah. Cowboys, C-. minus. We'll see the Packers next week. Sunday night, speaking of the Lions, though, already talked about this game a little bit in the open. But the Lions get their first win in the playoffs since 1992, 24-23 victory over Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Just a full circle moment. And it was really fun to watch this game, just the, all the different storylines that were happening. And even the guys that didn't really have too big of a storyline in the game, like like Kyron Williams or Puka Nakua, those guys showed out and, and made, made some big plays. Stafford finished the game 367, two touchdowns and no interceptions. A typical, you know, Matthew Stafford game in Detroit where he gets beat the shit out of and still throws around the ball, no problem. Uh, a lot of those yards went to Puka Nakua, nine catches, 181 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but I think the difference that really helped the Lions in this game was shutting down Cooper Cup to five catches for 27 yards. When that guy's not getting his, you know, normal 10 catches, 80 plus yards and a touchdown, you're doing something well on defense. And for Detroit secondary, that's been kind of suspect. And especially in the second half of the season, it's really good to see him lock it in, at least on Cooper Cup. Uh, Detroit side of the ball, their normal, du- normal duo of Montgomery and Gibbs got in the end zone 
Goff had a solid game, didn't turn the ball over. Amon Ra had over 100 yards. And they did what they needed to do to win the game 24 to 23. What's your season grade for the Rams, Skyler? I have the Rams at a B plus, slightly better than Dallas here because it was an awesome regular season for the Rams. Similar here, but they found two stud rookies on either side of the ball. The sophomore hero season of Kyron Williams, like you said, they can put up points, but there was no point in the season where I thought they were going to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they're just going to slowly decline instead of starting that rebuild from ground zero that we thought could have been happening by now if Sean McVay and some others retired. I think they're, I, should we say it? They're not going to get back? I, I completely disagree with you, I'm going to be honest. All uh, right, I'll well, let you finish go ahead. Spiel. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I, I give the Rams an A. I thought this season was an absolute success. They rebuilt their team without having to spend a first-round pick. And it's insane to find. I know Kyron Williams was in his second year, but we didn't really see him in year one too much with his injuries and, you know, being behind Cam Akers, Sony Michelle, whatnot. But it, Kyron Williams is a stud. Like, he is, when healthy, probably going to be a top five to seven back in the league next year. Puka Nakua isn't some fluky one year receiver. He's better than what Justin Jefferson was his rookie year. He's better than what Jamar Chase was his rookie year. And while he's never going to get that, oh, it's Puka, the number one receiver in the league type thing, and I don't think he deserves to be, he's really damn good. And Stafford isn't slowing down either. I thought last year that Stafford was done. His arm looked like a dud. He wasn't able to throw the ball downfield at all. With these guys in this offense, he looks really damn good right now. And then going to the defense side of the ball. I know their defense, you know, in the Super Bowl run was top of the league, really good stuff. And Aaron Donald was having all these crazy games all the time. It's kind of filtered out where Donald doesn't really do as much anymore. But they just got two studs in the draft. And uh, Kobe Turner and uh, what's his other, what's his name? Uh, Byron Young. Young. Yeah. Yeah. They got two studs out of nowhere. They're adding two rookies on their line with at least you know, eight and a half sacks. You're going to bring some guys in in free agency at some point because eventually you're going to be out of cap hell with Donald contract and some of the other guys that are still, you know, committed to money regardless of being on the team or not. I think the Rams did a great year. I have faith in their drafting process now that they have a first rounder again. And I think they're just, I don't know how much their record is going to improve because obviously it's, you know, they're playing in a division with a really damn good team, and the Seahawks probably aren't going anywhere either. But I don't like what the Rams are lie, and I think they'll be back next year for sure. Okay. Okay. I understand everything you're saying. I love the draft picks. The past couple of years, mm-hmm. we were worried about, like you said, not having a first-round pick. They've got the job done. It's just going to be hard for me to pick them to win a playoff game again. Yeah, because their quarterback is like we saw, he's a hit away from being broken, even though they somehow let him back in the game. I don't know. I don't know. It is obviously going to be tough unless they, you know, win the division or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's always tough to to make a, you know, Super Bowl run from a wild card spot, but you never know. Injuries happen for teams. So I like what the Rams are doing. Maybe not back to a Super Bowl within the next couple of years, but. I definitely like the roster a ton and the moves that they made within the past few years. We got you. We got our eyes on you, McVeigh. One team I do not like a ton is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they lost on Sunday morning, or not Sunday. It was supposed to be Sunday morning, but it was Monday afternoon instead. A 17-31 to 31 loss to the Buffalo Bills in a game that Josh Allen just took over. He didn't make the mistakes that he usually makes, and the Bills won because... <laughs> The only reason why they lose is because of Josh Allen's mistakes. It was 21 for 30, 203 yards in the air with three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also had eight carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. One of those carries being that insane 52-yard touchdown run, which maybe included a fake slide in it. I wasn't too sure looking at the film, but I guess fake slides are supposed to be able. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Regardless, they take down the Steelers in a game that always kind of felt like was the Bills. They got into a 14-0 start. 
and then from there they just mirrored each other in the second, third, and fourth quarter, so they weren't really able to pull away or you know, but allow the Steelers to get back into the game. But regardless, how do you rate the Steelers season and what do you think about Bills in the first round? So Pittsburgh's gonna get a C plus. They proved some good things this season. Najee still has it. Mike Tomlin still has it. There were some question marks, but he was able to completely change the offense around him and that ended up getting them to the playoffs. But there's so many question marks here. Who's the quarterback going to be? What about the OC? What happens with George Pickens? How many years of TJ Watts prime can you waste until he gets seriously injured for that last time that we all remember? There's mm. so many question marks. I love that they were able to pull this off, but, uh, I guess I have a similar feeling with the Rams. I feel like they've kind of dug themselves a hole here. And unless you get those crazy late round picks to hit, you got to kind of restart this thing at some point. Yeah, Pittsburgh's in a weird spot because this team felt like it was broken the entire year, yet they would still just find a way to win each week. Their offense, they had visible like chemistry issues, whether it was Pickens or Deontay Johnson or Matt Canada, or Chris Boswell getting mad at Matt Canada, they had the, like, if you just saw the antics and didn't see the games, you would expect this game goes, what, like 5-12 and 12 or 6-11. Or and 11. Obviously, their defense and T.J. Watt kind of solely picked up that team to the point where they would be into a playoff spot. But this team is really just confusing right now. Because I think eventually their defense declines. Cameron Hayward's going to have to retire at some point. He's been in the league for a long time. There's some other guys like Pat Pete, Miles Jack, Larry Ogunjobi. who have been around for a while. And, you know, they're not getting any younger. So you're going to have to eventually replace those dudes with some younger guys. Obviously, they kind of got the youth movement started with Joey Porter Jr. this past year. But still quite a ways away on the defensive side of the ball for, you know, building a long-term really good defense. Mm. Their offense, man, I have zero clue what this offense is. Cause you just look at the guys in it. And I know, you know, Pickens has flashes. Deontay Johnson's had flashes. Brian Moose had flashes. Even Najee Jalen Warren have had flashes, but they just, are any of those dudes really that good? Like, quarterback is a, is a thing in this one as well, too, where you're not going to win a Super Bowl, Kenny Pickett. You're definitely not going to win a Mason Rudolph either. So what do you do there? Do you bring in a vet like Russell Wilson? Do you go and draft the guy, which personally I wouldn't do. I think it, probably a better decision would be to go the vet route. But I give the Steelers to be minus because even through all the shit, they found the way in the playoffs. Uh, but I do not think they will be back next year. The last game of Super Wild Card Weekend, we get two more games in Wild Card Weekend, they start calling it Super now, but the last game was not that super. It was pretty boring to watch. A 9-32 victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Baker Mayfield went ham in this one. A couple really long touchdowns. Uh, boosted the stat line to 22 for 36. 337, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Rashad White, 70 yards on the ground. Kate Otten, the main man uh, on the receiving core with eight catches for 89 yards. Touchdowns to Trey Palmer, David Moore, and Chris Godwin. And then Billy. Man, their defense sucked. Their offense actually wasn't terrible. They just couldn't run the ball too well. Uh, and then uh, kicking them out of the playoffs. What's the season grade for the Eagles, guy? So the Eagles will be my lowest grade for today with the D here. It's not like Jalen Hurts was so bad you have to go find a new quarterback, but basically everything else you have to change here. It was an awful collapse to the season. Uh, most teams trying to start a dynasty here avoid it nine out of ten times. The roster is an absolute mess. The combination of rookies and really old guys that don't give a shit anymore. They finished six and seven after starting six and zero. Oh, just an absolute failure this season. I wouldn't, you know, be surprised if they fired Sirianni, even though I wouldn't. It was just that embarrassing that you you have to make some kind of change. 
Yeah, it's a weird spot for Philly. I I also gave him my lowest grade out of anybody. I gave him a D. But the roster's there, man. Like, they have guys that you can rely on, it feels like, at every single level, whether it's on offense or or defense or really even special teams, too, because Jake Elliott's pretty damn good. But it just didn't click in the second half of the season. And to point it at somebody, I think you kind of have to point it at Nick Sirianni. And whether... You know, it was a schematic thing, whether it's going over the locker room, whatever it is, there's going to be a change that's made with this team. And I think the most likely thing is Sirianni. Uh, it's kind of crazy to say in the way that, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. He still won 11 games this year. He's made the playoffs three times. Not really re- a resume that would warrant a coach being fired. But when you just went to Super Bowl last year and then you just go one and six in your last seven games, how the fuck does that happen? Uh, especially with like, you know, not losing your QB or, uh, I mean, obviously AJ Brown missed this game, but that's the only game that he missed in those last seven. You didn't experience any significant injuries and yet you're just, your team just dropped off out of nowhere. We saw, again, chemistry issues on the sidelines last night with, you know, Goddard getting, I don't know if he was yelling at Jalen Hurts, but he was, he was pretty upset with him. And then their defense just turned into switch cheese in the second half of the season too. So I guess fire Nick Sirianni. I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think Philly's front office is probably just as confused as we are uh, on what to do because it's just, stuff like this doesn't make sense. And I think every single week we're looking at them. Okay. When are they going to turn it around? When are they going to turn it around? When are they going to turn it around? And they just never did. So Philly gets a D and they're out in the first round of playoffs. Fix that locker room, man. Yep. Key to the Super Bowl is having a good locker room (laughs) and a good defense and a quarterback and a run game. Regardless, we'll move to the future in the divisional round. Not the super divisional round, but we still got four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. We'll go game by game, uh, and then we'll actually turn this into a bracket as well, too, where we can talk about the conference championship and Super Bowl predictions as well, too. First game, Saturday on ESPN, 1.30 Pacific Standard Time, our favorite time zone of all. Uh, the Texans going to the Baltimore Ravens home in Maryland. I believe these two teams played in week one, if I'm not mistaken. How do you think this game plays out, Skrillers? Baltimore is a seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, I got Baltimore winning this one. I expect both of the one seeds to be completely locked in after seeing what these young quarterbacks did over the weekend. Baltimore's healthier now. We're going to get some Mark Andrews action. And Lamar ended off the regular season with two of the best quarterback performances we've seen all season. I think Baltimore wins big, and we'll see the Texans back very soon. Yeah. uh, I'm picking the Ravens for the same reason that I picked the Browns. I think the defense might be a little bit too much for Stroud to start off with, especially, you know, playing in Baltimore is going to be pretty tough. Ravens offense looked damn near unstoppable most of the season. I think it's going to be just fine against the Houston Texans defense. I don't think it's going to be a complete blowout, but if I were to lean, it'd probably be just over Baltimore spread like a 10 point victory. So Baltimore moves on for me. The second game that we have on Saturday on Fox, the good old Packer and Niner seems like annual postseason match, but I don't think we got one last year. Regardless, Jordan Love this time, not Aaron Rodgers, goes into Santa Clara. Niners are eight and a half point favorites, or nine and a half point favorites. I don't know. It says both on ESPN, so I'm actually not too sure. But how do you think this one plays out? Well, I got San Francisco, of course, here, like I was saying. Um, Hell of a run for Green Bay and Jordan Love, but it's the same with the Baltimore guys. They saw what happened last week. Dallas came unprepared, and uh, they even talked about that. Something leaked today, right, that 
Um, Shanahan was already preparing in the second quarter of that game. And it wasn't leaked. He just straight up said it in a press conference. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm glad he did because I'd be concerned if he didn't, right? Um anyway, San Francisco also needed the buy. Um it's 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 a really big deal. We saw this last year. Both of the one seeds made it to the Super Bowl. And uh, I think they're gonna counter everything Love is gonna try to do deep and slowly pick apart the Green Bay defense and run them into the ground with CMC. A lot of points for San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to pick the Niners as well, too. But I am encouraged to see how Jordan Love plays against this defense. I I feel like a lot of the stuff that Love is really good at is getting those off-schedule plays where you can't – there is no scheme for that. You know, it's just your intuitiveness and making the plays on the run, and I think that's something that Love's really good at. And that's, you know, obviously the number one thing that the Niners are going to try to take away, make everything, you know, short, quick, you know, don't allow him to get out of the pocket, make plays, stuff like that. Uh, And so I'm kind of interested on how that matchup aligns. And, you know, I love watching Jordan Love play right now. He's fun to watch. Uh, Also, I do think he's probably going to struggle quite a bit this weekend. So I would also probably lean Niners spread at least a 10-point victory in my mind. But nonetheless, I mean, great season for the Packers. Yeah. Jordan Love, they're going to be back for sure. Moving on to Sunday, though. We got a rematch of a game that we saw earlier this year, although it took place in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers going to Detroit to take on the Lions. So excited that we get to see Detroit at home again in the playoffs. Lions are six and a half point favorites right now. How do you think this one plays out? This should be an awesome game because I think Tampa Bay is much improved from their last matchup, but I'm still going to take Detroit here. I think maybe if it was in Tampa, we'd be having a different conversation, but Goff and St. Brown torched their secondary. Again, they win by three. Awesome season for Baker. Um, I guess I just expect Tampa to keep up with them for most of the game. And then maybe a, similar to the game we saw on Sunday with Detroit, they can just completely run out the clock. They don't need to score in the second half. And, uh, you know, Tampa Bay didn't have to deal with that against Philly. So maybe that's what gets them here in the second round. Yeah. Uh, this is feels like a pretty different game than what the, was the first time that they played. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost the first game 20 to 6. It was right before Baker really locked it in. I believe it was the week before the Green Bay game where, you know, Baker was perfect in Lambeau. And so I, the Buccaneers have developed a lot from that first game is what I'm trying to say. The Lions, I would say they developed a ton, but they've steadily gotten better since that game, in my opinion. I think this game definitely leans the Lions' way. I do think I would even probably take the Lions' spread and win by a touchdown. I definitely expect a lot more points to be put up in six for the Buccaneers this week. Uh, it's just their ground games going to be too much to handle for them. Montgomery and Gibbs are masters. The offensive line is too good for Detroit. I know, you know, Tampa Bay's run defense has been something that's been good for them going back to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. Super Bowl run a couple years ago. But Detroit's run game is just too damn good. The run game ain't working. They cut the receivers and the quarterback to throw the ball around as well, too. So I'm picking Detroit. Uh, I would definitely think there's going to be a lot more points, though, than 26 total in this entire game. Saving the best for last, though, Skyler. The Chiefs and the Bills, not on Sunday night because it's 3.30 p.m. start time, but we'll call it Sunday night. Patrick Mahomes plays his first road playoff game and he's a favorite or not a favorite he's a dog uh, at three points right now Skyler how do you think this plays Buffalo is a really tough place to play man Mahomes and Kelsey have been completely off all season long but that Kansas City defense is so dangerous I'm gonna take Kansas City on the run here on the road excuse me we've seen Josh Allen struggle these past couple weeks with the lead defenses New England even the Chargers they uh they won it late and I got Kansas City completely shutting down Buffalo's run game. Josh Allen's going to keep it interesting, but it's going to be one too many mistakes, and Kansas City's going to win this one again. If this game was in Kansas City, 
I would pick the Chiefs. I wouldn't say easily, but I would. It would be a pretty quick decision. This game, oh man, I'm looking forward to it so much because I just want to see how Mahomes plays in you know a non Kansas City mm-hmm. home game environment. And playing in Buffalo is the exact opposite of that home environment. Obviously, the weather's pretty similar, but it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch, man. Two defenses that have gotten better over the season's gone on, two offenses that have had their struggles at some points, but we know they can both be lethal due to their quarterbacks. The run game has developed for both these teams this year. And the star wide receivers or star targets have had pretty underwhelming seasons with Travis Kelsey and Stephon Diggs. A lot of similarities within this, in these teams, and the records showed as well, too, because they're both 11-6. and six. I'd say the Bills win it, though. I think this is the perfect year for Kansas City to be knocked down. I see a lot of similarities in, in the Bills' defense comparative to how when the Raiders beat them on Christmas Day, pass rush was good, the secondary was good, and I think the Bills you know, can replicate that quite well, and I think their offense is going to be a bit better than what the Raiders was. Uh, maybe not score two touchdowns on defense, but I like the Bills' chances in this game, and I'm going to pick them to win as well. Moving on to conference championship week where we're doing our predictions for this as well, too. For your AFC championship game, you have the Chiefs going to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I have the Bills going to Baltimore. Skyler, how do you think it plays out if Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson beat up in the AFC championship? I got Lamar winning this round. I feel like Kansas City can lose on any given night this season with their inconsistencies. Baltimore, on the other hand, went 10 and 1 to finish off the season. If you don't count week 18 with the backups, I, I feel like I'd be foolish to not ride with Baltimore right now. Yeah. Uh, looking at a Buffalo Ravens matchup for my AFC, AFC championship, something that we talked about for the last few weeks was if a team is going to beat Baltimore, it's most likely going to be the Bills. They match up the best with them, they have the best. Best positional matchups as well, too, not just, you know, schematically. I just don't think the Ravens could be beat by an AFC team right now. Uh, And so I take the Ravens in this theoretical AFC championship game to move on to the bowl. Next up, NFC championship game. We both have Lions versus Niners in this one. How does that play out, Skyler? I hate to be unoriginal here with both of the one seeds moving on, but I really think this is a bad matchup for Detroit and a perfect Mm -hmm. one for San Francisco. Facing the number two offense in the NFL, we know that the secondary skeptical, although they can hang around a little bit, um, and maybe them not playing in the regular season does help out Detroit here, but it's you know tough to play in Santa Clara now, maybe not at first since it was kind of a neutral ground, but now... Now the quest for six is on, man. And um, San Francisco doesn't have to play Dallas. Yeah. I would absolutely love to see Detroit make the Super Bowl. Mm. I think that just that in itself would be something that turns down Detroit, not even saying if they would win the Super Bowl. But uh, um, same thing as you. I, I think it's, it's going to be too tough of a game for them to win. And so I'd pick the Niners as well. If it was in Detroit, maybe it's a different story. Probably not with just Detroit's defense, though, not being probably at par with the other, you know, three teams in the playoffs at that point. But it'd be a hell of a story. Uh, Regardless, I'm picking the Niners to win. And then we move to the bowl. The Ravens for that. Ravens versus Niners for both of us. The logo, man. The logo hints every single year who's going to make it. It was purple and red this year for a game in Vegas, which makes zero sense unless they knew something was going on. So maybe the, the script, NFL scripters want to do something else. Maybe the Ravens going to lose this week. But that's how you, how know do you think that bowl, <laughs> How do you think that bowl plays out? Is it the hard bowl season in the way that Jim and John get a ring? Or is it the quest for six, finally? I think the Harbull narrative is a pretty cool one here. I'm going to keep it alive here because the Baltimore defense destroyed them 
on the road earlier this year. So I'm predicting a, a similar outcome here at a neutral site. Harbaugh wins his second. Lamar Jackson heads into the second half of his career as a bona fide superstar, future Hall of Famer. And it just kind of changes the outlook of the AFC, uh, especially if Mahomes does get knocked out this week. Um, people are going to start doubting him, even though they probably shouldn't. It'll just piss him off more. Mm-hmm. It just seems like that kind of year. Obviously, San Francisco could come back with the perfect counter for Baltimore. They have it. It's just that their their defense is banged up, man. I, I can't say who's going to be out there in four weeks from now. Um, yeah. Maybe when we get there, I'll change my pick for that week. But right now, I'm leaning Baltimore. They're the only ones that have proved it all season long. They had their one hiccup in overtime against Indy. And since then, they've been beating the crap out of everyone, except for the Rams. So good call on yeah, that one. Rams played them well. Yeah. For my Niners versus Ravens Super Bowl V2, it's so tough to pick this game because from if you look at the teams that have played, you know, perfect games in the past like two to three years, one of the only teams that really plays perfect games can be the Niners because they are, you know, so good on every single positional group. They don't really have a weakness. But the game on Christmas, man, every little weakness that the Niners had or every small mistake that they made was exposed by the Ravens and they capitalized on every single mistake that the Niners made. And you just don't see that ever from a team. You don't really see, regardless of what game, a team capitalized on every single mistake the other team made. Offense, defense, and special teams. Exactly. And while I don't think the Ravens would be able to capitalize on as many mistakes, that game didn't feel close at all. And it was weird in the way because you just, we haven't seen something like that in a long time. So I think it'd be a great Super Bowl. I think it'd be very, very close. But it's impossible right now to pick against the Ravens with what they have on tape, what they've shown in games. And just their pedigree right now. And what Lamar Jackson did, he showed that he can be the best player in the NFL on any given night. I think he probably shows that again. Which would be crazy in the way that we see a two-time MVP, a Super Bowl champion. And if they win that game, there's a good chance he's going to win Super Bowl MVP as well, too. He changed his career stock from, I would say, a one-hit wonder MVP Obviously, he had a ton of, uh, not a ton of great seasons, but a couple of good seasons besides the MVP year. But he changed from, you know, is this guy really going to be in the league forever type guy to future Hall of Famer in, in a year? Regardless, of, yeah, uh, I'm going to pick the Ravens. It's just too hard not to right now. Man. They look so damn good. It's funny. We, uh, you were, I don't know if you're in the party for this, but mm-hmm. Alex was talking to Ian. And what's funny about Ian's NFL mind right now, it's all last year's narratives because he didn't watch any games over the last six months. And so he was like, the Ravens, the Ravens are good. Like Ravens are hurt. What do you mean, Kyle? Exactly. He was saying, (laughs) well, doesn't Lamar suck? Like saying all this stuff, like he was all on last year's narratives. And it's crazy to think of how far Lamar Jackson's narrative has come from 365 days ago. <laughs> I mean, then again, Ian couldn't even pronounce the starting QB's name, and it's been a QB who's been in the year for 15, been in the league for 15 <laughs> years, but it's still kind of crazy to point out how much Lamar Jackson's narrative has changed over the last, you know, 365 days, especially to casual fans. That was my tangent. We'll move on, though, Love to it. our coaches, or not our coaches but coaches that left the NFL over the past seven days. I thought we were done. We might actually not still be done. There's a couple guys that could still be on the way out. Mike McDaniel, or not Mike McDaniel, Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni. But we did have Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll leave their jobs over this past week. We'll start off with the Patriots. We know who they're getting in with Jared Mayo. Uh, kind of a weird situation there where he didn't really have to interview. It was just, you know, handing over the keys to him based off of the contractual agreement that they made years prior. The Bills out, Mayo in, 
what do we think about this move for the Patriots? Was it time for Bill to leave? And what do we think about this move for Bill and possibly being the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Los Angeles Chargers, or another team? So I I like this for the Patriots a lot, actually. I like the Gerard Mayo hire. I, I know Vrabel was the dream, and mm-hmm. even still. But you know Bill put in a good word for Gerard Mayo because he stuck around through the shit this season. He could have left and got another job. Um, Bill to Atlanta would be really weird, but they are in a win now situation and an underdog in quotations, like Bill said, that's what he's looking for. But I I think Mm -hmm. this is a major L for Belichick's side. I, it's not going to hurt his legacy or anything. We know he's still looking for a job because he wants to move up the ladder for the most wins ever, but he's going to need, you know, three to five more great seasons and he's not going to get it. And he's going to be really disappointed. Um, but it was time. Yeah, I, I I agree with you in the way that I definitely think it was time for at least a change of scenery in New England. I know they still got the probably the Patriot way with Mayo. He was there under Belichick for all those years and as a player, as a coach. And he's probably just going to instill a lot of the things that Bill did because he knows that it works in the NFL. However, on Bill's side, I think he should hang him up rather than go coach another team. And I know he probably has the ability to go to a team and make him a solid squad, but he's not going to get the Brady go to another team and win a Super Bowl type thing unless he hits the jackpot on a squad. And I think doing that, you can kind of, I wouldn't say tarnish your legacy, but you can have a weird connotation with it where you, you know, go to another team and you fail. Yeah. Cause there is no, obviously your, your prior stuff precedes you into the, you know, resume that you have going into that new job. But once you get there, it just feels like a brand new thing. And we saw it with Tom where he went to the Buccaneers personality changed, his vibe changed, his likeness changed. Everybody loved Tom Brady, the Buccaneers. There's obviously, you know, probably Saints fans don't like them and Falcons fans, whatnot. But Bill Belichick, I just can't see that change for him. And I don't think it's going to work out well if, if he goes to Atlanta or, or Los Angeles. I know he hasn't interviewed there yet, but it feels like a charter thing to do in an interview. But I think it was yeah. time for, for both the teams to move on. But I just don't think it's time for Bill to go coach another team. The other guy, Pete Carroll. I would say an unexpected leaving because we kind of knew that his time would be coming up soon, but he did say that he wanted to coach in 2024 and now he's not. What do you think about the move for the Seahawks? Good move for them? Bad move for Pete? What do you think? I think this is a win-win. I I said this last week. I thought it was time to start the rebuild now um, because the division's really competitive right now. And Pete gets to go up to the front office. He's not hung out to dry. I, I feel like this was um, something they probably talked about, but didn't think would actually happen this year. I'm I'm happy they did it. They need a quarterback. So whichever offensive-minded head coach is interested, I mentioned Kellen Moore last week. They should get the job, but uh, they, they could love stealing Raheem Morris away from the Rams to try to get some uh, some of that intel. It's all about the future for Seattle because it's not Drew Locke and it's not Geno Smith. Um, so hopefully Pete Carroll can work his way up. I know he's he's very old, but that doesn't mean his football career is is done completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have a lot of weird feelings, mixed feelings on this because Pete Carroll, I mean, he's a good coach. Whether he was liked or not by a certain fan base is, is one thing, but he got the job done in Seattle most of the time. He won a Super Bowl. I know that was 10 years ago, not at this point, but he made another Super Bowl in there as well, too. And he led the Seahawks team, led by Geno Smith last year, to the playoffs. And nobody, and I mean nobody, expected him to do that. This year, I know they fell short. They dealt with some injuries that were unexpected. And ultimately, he just fell a game short of making the playoffs. And I think if they make the playoffs, he probably still is kicking for another yeah. year and ends up being their head coach. But maybe this is what the Seahawks need. Maybe they need somebody to go in there, 
whether they keep Gino or move on to a new guy, they need something, some big change to happen in order to push the Seahawks and their young core over, you know, the next step. So I say it's a good move for the Seahawks. I say it's probably time for Pete as well, too. Obviously, he moved to the front office, so we're not going to see, you know, I'm going to another team or something like that, or at least for this year. I doubt he ever gets hired again as a head coach just because he is so old. But one thing I will ask of the Seahawks, they interviewed Raiders DC Patrick Graham. Please do not take Patrick Graham from us because we've had the best defense that we've had in my entire lifetime. And I would like to see that continue. So please, Seattle, just go hire like Kellen Moore or some shit like that. Or Frank Smith or give Ben Johnson all your money. Yeah, someone to Anyways, go nine and eight with. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the second half. Well, we are talking college football to start. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked transfer portal in a while and a lot has changed, uh, especially after the college football playoff. A lot of coaches let go, a lot of players hitting the portal. So let's just get into it because two pretty big quarterbacks decided to change their minds this week after portal and draft talk. First of all, we have Cam Ward the former Washington State quarterback, he's actually going to Miami now, not through the draft. University of Miami, the U, this was a rumor two months ago, and we all kind of forgot about it because he said he was going to the draft. But Miami does finally steal away someone from Ohio State. They had to go a different path. Then we have two, his brother, Talia Tagovailoa. He will be entering the draft, not going through the portal. Kind of a flip-flop, you know, if they're was a guy in the portal who you would trust to go to the draft, it would probably be Cam Ward over to his little brother. But it's a guy who put up crazy numbers in the Big Ten, so I'm sure he'll get drafted at some point. Um, Kind of a, an aftershock here from the Nick Saban retirement. We have Isaiah Bond, a five-star Alabama receiver who would have been his time to shine. He would have been the number one. He's actually leaving for Texas so Quinn Ewers needed some help. They're losing Worthy and A.D. Mitchell in the draft. That's going to be their number one. Good for them. Another top receiver, former five-star from Texas A&M. They fired freaking Jimbo, finally. So Evan Stewart's out of there. He's going to Oregon to take over that Troy Franklin role. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for Evan Stewart, even though we're not the biggest Oregon fans. It's, it's always good to see the five stars find a new home and finally put it all together, man. Um, two running backs to Ohio State. We have Travion Henderson not going to the draft. He's coming back for another year, which is awkward because Quinshawn Judkins, a guy who's been elite at Ole Miss, also going to Ohio State. So watch out for those dudes. They're trying to copy that Michigan method, I guess, to finally make it back to the playoff with the dual running back transfers. Um, There is one more quarterback I'm forgetting. I'm scrolling through here. Actually, it's not a quarterback. It's a running back, Trevor Etienne, the brother of Travis. He's now going to Georgia. I don't think we talked about that one. And Ohio State finally gets their quarterback. We know now it is the big righty, Will Howard from Kansas State. They lost Marvin Harrison, but um, I guess if they're going to that pro-style running offense, there you go. We are a long ways away from the college football season, but that hasn't stopped me from dreaming because – so many rumors about the college football video game coming out here. All right. So this is one idea I came up with the other night, and I think I'm going to make a full video out of it eventually. But I just wanted to have one, one note here. If you're playing Dynasty mode and you want a group of five team, not in the Power Five, who's up and coming to start as your Dynasty and go a couple more years, I have one example for you right now. Jacksonville State of the CUSA. Kyle, these guys went eight and four last season after winning their bowl game in their first FBS season. In the portal right now, it's basically just going after seniors to fill the spots of seniors who left. So you can do basically whatever you want. A full rebuild. You could decide to start over, recruit your own guys, move away from the CUSA to maybe the Big 12. You know, get some rivals with the UCF in there. They're going to start around 80 overall, so it may be challenging, but uh, not as difficult as another team coming from the FCS like a UConn. And I know we're not quite there yet. The game was, you know, allegedly got its release date today, and then we found out actually that's not the official release date, but it's still coming. So it's just so many questions, and uh, this is going to be a sick game. I've been waiting for 10 years. I just want to talk about it for a little bit. 
that is all. Yeah. Moving on to our MLB moves. And if you have any MLB reporter on notifications on Twitter, you know exactly what last week was about. And it was arbitration. The most annoying day to have notifications on from Twitter reporters because you get 200 notifications of players signing back to teams that they were already on. There's over 200 on January 11th. I'll go over some of the biggest names that we saw sign back or agree to a one-year contract avoiding arbitration. Uh, Dalton Varsho, Nathaniel Lowe, Leody Tavares, Isaac Parady, Shane McClanahan, Randy Rosarena, Ryan Helsley, Tyro Estrada, Logan Gilbert, uh, Michael King, Juan Soto, who will be a free agent next year, Glaber Torres, Pete Alonzo, who will be a free agent next year, Willie Adames, who I believe will also be a free agent next year, Jesus Cesardo, who get traded, Trevor Rogers, former uh, rookie of the year. We saw Dustin May, Will Smith, the Dodgers one, Kyle Wright and Brady Singer, who are now Kansas City Royals. Brady Singer already has them, but Kyle Wright is new, of course. Rambo Valdez, who I believe will be a free agent in 2025. Uh, Tariq Skubal, Shane Bieber, who will be free free agent next year. Tristan McKenzie. Dylan Cease, who will not be a free agent until 2025, but most likely will be traded this year. Anthony Santander, who's had some good moments for us in co-op. <laughs> that will be the show. Those are just a few names of the 200 people that avoided arbitration. We did get a trade on January 11th, though, and it was Yancey Almonte and Michael Bush going over to the Cubs for Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope. An interesting trade here where it was kind of minor leaguer for minor leaguer. Yancey Almonte has had good year, bad year, good year, bad year, been alternating for about five to six years now at this point. He's on pace to have a good year next year. I like his stuff. I think he provides a middle-of-the-bullpen-type spot for the Cubs with a guy who can end up being like a setup man in best-case scenario. Michael Bush, a top 100 prospect, has had glimpses into the MLB, but he has not been the greatest in the MLB, and I don't think his game transfers as well as what we thought it was going to be mm-hmm. a couple years ago. The expectation is for him now to kind of turn into a Max Muncy type player, walk a lot, strike out a lot, hit a lot of homers. And so the Dodgers moved on to him because they already have Max Muncy. Uh, the growing consensus is Jackson Ferris, the pitcher that went back to the Dodgers in this trade, is the best player in the trade. He is a left-handed 6'4 starting pitcher that projects to be middle-of-the-rotation type guy a dude who's not really high up on prospect boards quite yet, but will be after the Dodgers put their secret sauce into him this year because they always do. And then Zaire Hope was a 13th round pick this past year. uh, And I believe kind of speedy power duo outfielder under my understanding. Uh, The other move that we saw on January 11th was Marcus Stroman. Signed a two-year contract that kind of went under the radar. Go to the Yankees. I forget what the money is on that, but he will be in New York for the next two years. That sounds about right. Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, January 12th, we got Jordan Hicks signing a four-year, $44 million deal to go to the Giants. An interesting deal because they decided that they want to use him as a starter, Mm -hmm. which... I think since something under Jordan Hicks' choice, I if I were signing him, I would not. And that would kind of be something that would steer me away from him because he's been trying to be a starter for many years now at this point, and it hasn't worked any of the times. I don't know why you would pay him to go be a starter. He's really good in the back of the bullpen. 
So I think maybe the Giants are hoping that he doesn't work out. Oh, obviously they want him to work out as a starter because that'd be good. But worst case scenario, he doesn't work out. He goes to the back of the bullpen, helps him win games in, in the back end. But if things do work out for him as a starter, you then have a four-headed monster in your rotation with Robbie Ray, Logan Webb, Jordan Hicks, and Kyle Harrison. I've been critical of the Robbie Ray move in the weeks past in the way that I don't think he's as good as he was. His Cy Young season in Toronto, uh, coming off of Tommy John, you never really know exactly how it's going to go. I believe that's the second Tommy John as well, too. But the Giants, if all things point well, they got a pretty damn good starting rotation. The other moves you saw in the week, you don't even want to know. We got <laughs> Jose Urania, minor league deal for yeah. the Texas Rangers. Joey Crable going to the going to the Seattle Mariners. Austin Allen going to the Mets. That's kind of what we got the rest of the week. So we didn't get jack shit except for you know two or three things and two hundred different arbitration agreements which are absolutely stupid we also had a whole bunch of people not agree with their team for arbitration we'll get those numbers and those players as the offseason moves along until the february month i want to say is when we get that so next month most likely a lot of low risk low risk moves this week it feels like they're kind of afraid to make the first big swing of the trade market you know Trade market's been a lot slower than what I expected. I expected a Marlins pitcher to move by now. I expected Jonathan India to move by now. The Mariners have made a lot of moves, and I respect a lot of the stuff that they've done. I think they've improved their team this year or this offseason. Besides some, man, the trade market and Juan Soto, I guess, as well, too, has been pretty slow. And the free agent market. With that being said, I would do want to give an update on the Raiders head coach and GM search because that's something that's interesting to me. Yes, it is. Whether it's interesting to other people, who cares? Per to Sean Reed, who is the Raiders beat reporter, one of the Raiders beat reporter for The Athletic, he posted 45 minutes ago that the Raiders have now satisfied the Rooney rule for both GM and head coach vacancies his sense is that owner Mark Davis's choice of GM is either Champ Kelly, who's the current interim head, not head coach GM, or Ed Dodds, who I believe comes from the Colts front office. Okay. But all signs are pointing forward to Antonio Pierce being hired as the head coach, which is expected. Yesterday, there was this Martin Luther King rally. I don't know if it was in Vegas or not, but the Raiders had like a float there. Uh, Antonio Pierce, Jim Kelly, and Richard Seymour were represented on the Raiders floats uh, and they interviewed Antonio Pierce afterwards and it, based off of how Antonio Pierce was talking, it sounded like he already knows he's going to be the head coach, but it just hasn't been made public yet. Obviously, that would win over a lot of the fan base, all of the players. Max Crosby. And hopefully would lead to us trading up and getting Jaden Daniels as a quarterback next year because that would make me go berserk, make him be truly happy for one of the first times in a long time as a Raider fan. That's all I got for now. So hopefully by episode 176, we got the head coach and GM that I want. Probably not the trade up for the pick yet, but you never know. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on to layups and bowl predictions. Another rough week. The one pick we did get right, Kansas City money line by me, although that was like a minus 190 type pick or maybe minus 220, something like that. Together had Dallas minus 7.5 for Green Bay. That, unfortunately, Sorry. did not hit. This week, I have Buffalo money line as my layup. They're currently two and a half point favorites. I think they win that one versus the Chiefs. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay plus six and a half at Detroit next week here. And uh, I talked about it a little bit when we were breaking down this game. I feel like they didn't play that well of a game and they still beat the breaks off of Philly. They haven't reached their full potential. So if they do, they're going to lose by less than six and a half to Detroit. 
Last week, my bold prediction was Bill Belichick out, Mike Vrabel in. That did not happen. Vrabel is still jobless. Together had Miami over OKC on Wednesday. OKC said no. Skyler. Yeah. And won that game. This week, I did a parlay because I didn't know. I didn't feel confident in a lot of the, you know, plus odds picks. And so my parlay that I have is Detroit Lions minus six and a half combined with Baltimore and Houston over 44 and a half. I also had title on here, crazy trade bull prediction too. This one I'm not putting, you know, as a bull prediction, but yeah. it's a Dak Prescott for Tua trade that happens at some point in the offseason. Well, my bull prediction is also not that bold, but we talked about it again earlier. Kansas City money line. Anytime you can get Mahomes as a dog, doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm going with it. Buffalo is really hot. Kansas City, not. But I'm taking Mahomes. Taking Mahomes. I've seen the ugly of Josh Allen, and I haven't really seen it as much with Mahomes. Yeah. So we're going to get one pick right this week. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Had to make sure that happened. Together has Kansas City money line. Together has Tampa Bay spread. I have Detroit spread. So we'll get stuff right this next week, but we won't get all four right, unfortunately. Let's go two for four. Yeah. That being said, we'll see y'all next week unless you have any closing remarks, Skyler. I don't think so. Um, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if anyone gets fired tomorrow. We saw this with the bill check stuff. It happened on Wednesday, even though it yeah. usually doesn't take that long. But who knows what's going on behind the closed doors. Lots of moves. And super divisional round should be pretty good. Super divisional round with three spreads over six points. That's not very super to me. I want to see those close games. Anyways, we'll see y'all next week. We will know who's in the conference championship. Hopefully, we will know who's the Raiders' next head coach and GM. We'll know probably a bit more about some other teams' head coaches, maybe the Panthers, the Falcons, the mm-hmm. Chargers. We interviewed uh, Harbaugh. Couple days ago, officially, so good for them. Although I've also heard that it's leverage for getting more money from Michigan. Um, who knows? He's the biggest coach in college football now at this point. Maybe the NCAA says, "Hey, we're not going to suspend you anymore. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to fine you. Please stay. We need you in college football." Yeah. Although NCAA is retarded. Oh, can't say that. Anyways, uh, we'll see y'all next time for episode 176. Go Warriors. Let's make a trade because we suck.